2: Hello and welcome to Off the Beaten Track podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with jazz musician Laurent Thomas and it's wonderful. Uh Laurent joined me over Zoom from New York City and we speak about his career and and his life and it's a glorious chat. Um you know, we 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 go all over the place with this, you know, we we ta- kind of go from Stevie Wonder to gangster rap to what it's like playing at you know at the World Cup, um, you know playing brass for for uh, Lauren Hill and uh, amongst a multitude of amazing people that Lauren's worked with um, Kanye and and we touch on this um, before we get on with the episode. Just a few thank yous. Um, big shout out to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, thanks to Mike at Lewis Recordings um, for uh, putting this together and uh and thanks to 76 for producing this podcast um and also if this is your first time listening to off the beaten track and uh and you enjoy it then when you finish listening to um my lovely chat with uh, Laurent, then um please go and have a look in the archives because you can find access to um over a hundred and probably about 180 episodes now with some of your favorite musicians and actors and DJs, producers as uh, acts as diverse as all oh, blimey um, Chuck D to Melanie C from the Spice Girls through to chic uh, through to James Lavelle um, the Deftones, tones. It's uh, it's, it's a Julian Marley. It, it, it goes all over the place the the people that i've spoke to so um there's some great chats to be enjoyed so why not go and have a look in the archives when you finish this into this one to see if there's uh anything you like and better still just subscribe if you subscribe then every episode just pops up on your on your listening device for you to uh listen to and it means you haven't got to worry about going searching for anything and it really helps the podcast if you subscribe as well um and also, if um, you you want to support the podcast and you want access to more more stuff, then I have a Patreon page. That Patreon page, um, I put up four episodes uh, of radio shows, um, tunes and chat, every week. Um, I put up some video episodes of these conversations. Um, and I also put up unique episodes um, just for Patreons. And you can support that from as little as a dollar a month. So what's that, 80p? And, uh, and it all helps. It really does, um, because this is a... A pure labourer love this podcast. So um, yeah, any kind of support, love, retweets, shares, likes, and all of that—it all—it all goes in the pot to help help grow the podcast. So um, yeah, any kind of stuff like that, ah, oh, it's much appreciated, it really is. Anyway, the reason you're here, let's get on with it. Please enjoy off the beaten track podcast with the wonderful Laurent Thomas. It's off the beaten track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Stu with him Okay, we are recording joining me today from New York City, Laurent Thomas, hello. Hello, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. All you all right? good? I'm good,
3: man. I'm doing really good, yeah. It's nice. nice overcast out today, but... It's cool.
2: Well, yeah. we've already put the world to rights before we press record. We, we've had the, 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 you know, the, the, the conversation that you can't not have. We've had the, the, the lockdown conversation as I was curious to hear what was going on in, in, in lockdown in New York. And, uh, and one of the things that I, I want to touch on that you did mention before we press record was you're, you're seeing like in Central Park and stuff like that in all the parks, musicians are now taking to the parks to, to just play and busk and stuff.
3: They are. They are. I don't even think they're doing it for money. They're just doing it to connect with people
2: yeah.
3: more than anything. And uh, you get a lot, of, a lot of great jazz musicians are out there. A lot of funk players are out there. You see, some of the, you see some collabs, which is really interesting. So you're going to see a lot of genre bending just by the fact that there's so many different walks out there doing the same thing. So nice. that's going to be. Nice.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk records. Um, yeah. Leron, I'm going to ask you first – the song with the greatest ever intro.
3: Oh man, Ohio players. Uh I want to be free.
2: <laughs> you said that so quick, like there was nothing that was gonna come close to that.
3: No, man, that, the drum, the it's just it's the drums, man. I mean, like as soon as you said intro, that's the first thing that goes in my head. <laughs> no, I was like, I was like, you know, that's it for me, man. I mean, and then they come in with that shoot, 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 you know. Oh man, it's it's a ballad.
2: Yeah, yeah. It don't start like a ballad though.
3: Oh no, oh no. They, I mean, I was like, that's some randomness right there. I've never heard anything like that. I mean, as far as an intro, I've never heard anything that radical and that comical, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
2: So, was there any other considerations for this?
3: Hmm. Uh, you mean as far as intros? Yeah. Uh there's a lot of them. I mean, like you know, you can you can. For me, as a jazz musician, you always think about, so what? Coats, Coats. <laughs> and then just Miles' intros in general, man. Like, uh, someday my prince will come. You know, I really love that, man. Um, it's just, I mean, like, it's so beautiful, man. Like, uh, just the piano intro and all that kind of stuff. It's just really killing, man. And then he comes in with the trumpet, and it's like he sneaks in and yeah. all that kind of thing. And you didn't even know it was going to be a Walt Disney cover, you know? Yeah. It's just that, I mean, in you know, as far as, uh, you know, also uh, my favorite things, you know, with Coltrane, yeah. great intro, great intro. I mean, really, really hip, you know, it makes you, and it's a long song too, but I remember I, I would rewind, I'd go like into the middle because I wasn't that advanced in my ear when I was younger. I would go in the middle of the song <laughs> and then get tired of, you know, whatever Coltrane was playing and go back to that intro. Because <laughs> it was so hip, you know, yeah. And I, guess,
2: uh, and I guess, and I guess, you know that that kind of mindset, you know, as as, as you know, as uh, listening to those little kind of opening breaks and things like that in jazz, I kind of guess that that's where you start to get the sample culture from, though, isn't it? It's like that's when, like, you know, hip hop starts evolving through people listening to this funk, soul, rare groove, whatever it is, and hearing them little stabs, and it's like, oh, what can I, I tell you? What I can do with that, and you know, and I guess that's what. Where kind of a lot of hip hop culture, you know, sort of grew out of that.
3: You know, and it's interesting because I actually learned jazz in depth through hip hop culture. You know, it wasn't it wasn't um uh it wasn't the other way around. I mean, hip hop was the current music, you know, that was happening in uh in the neighborhood, you know, and, and in the in the you know social conditioning out there, and so it's just like man, I was checking out like uh, Tribe Called Quest yeah and then I was listening to uh you know that part of uh doom 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 I'm like come to find out that's Donald Byrd thing twice the little breakdown section you know i just i mean i you know and that's how and I would get in more into jazz that way I would try and buy buy you know the albums that they were sampling and things like that, yeah. and that's how stuff started to work out for me.
2: So, nice. Well, look, we're gonna we're gonna get a bit nostalgic and retrospective as we uh, work through this, and uh, and I guess this is a good place to start with track two, um, which is the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you.
3: Okay, it's got to be Stevie Wonder. Uh, for me, it's uh, I'm embarrassed to say this. It's I, I just called to say I love you.
2: <laughs> it's weird that people kind of because. Obviously, Stevie's one of the greats, without a shadow of a doubt, you know. But everyone kind of always, when they mention that song, kind of has a little smirk and a little, almost an apology when they mention that record, which is one of his biggest ever hits globally. Yes,
3: it was. Yes, it was. I think what it is is that, you know, we know that Stevie can write so much (laughs) other stuff. He's written so much great, you know, material. Man, it's hard, you know, for me to, to, to admit that something that nursery rhyming, yeah, really appeal to a kid, but then you know, at the same time, you have to almost say to yourself, "That's that's the mark of a master." Mm. You know, to be able to write something so simple after writing so much, you know, sophisticated and in depth material. You know, good songwriting, good harmonies, great harmonies. You know, and uh, and to see all of that, and then and then to go into something so nursery rhyming that was sincere. Mm. It was a sincere song. I mean, the only reason why it works is because it's it's sincere. Yeah, you know, and uh, it's I remember, yeah, I remember as a kid, you know, anytime somebody pretty would come over or something like that, uh, I would ask my dad to put on that album, <laughs> and that was my little concert to them, you know, I like, like all the you know, like, uh, it, it would be mostly like my auntie's friends, you know, the, the women, they were some beautiful women, you know, I'm from Houston, you know, so a bunch of Beyoncé's, you know, <laughs> so like. <laughs> Yeah, man, I was just, I would just, you know, start acting like, you know, I grabbed my dad's um, album cleaner as a microphone. Nice. And I would sing that song and, you know, and man, they would, man, they would laugh. Well, I remember one time they laughed so hard, I got embarrassed and ran off. And it's funny listening to that song keep playing as you're getting embarrassed and running off. It's like uh, something, it's, 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 I don't know how to explain it. It's good
2: comedy, though. So what was the emotion (laughs) that you would have got from that?
3: I mean, it was just so steady. It was a steady, it was like a steady, beautiful kind of drony thing for me. Mm. You know, it was just really.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me.
3: Uh, you know, doom, 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 you know, and I just that whole kind of just I don't know, it's just yeah. later on you find out it's pretty much Latin, almost Brazilian vibes, you know? Yeah. And uh it's just kind of, but it's it's uh it's the harmony was so beautiful that you know the, it's just the da da then the melody da 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 I mean like that's that for anybody who's a you know universally you can you you know that's beautiful yeah <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying like so that's what worked for me man that song definitely i mean and there were other songs from stevie as a kid because my parents listened to a lot of stevie wonder like woman woman in red that whole album i mean when the stuff he did with Deor, uh, Dion uh deon warwick moments aren't moments that's a badass song you know and uh there was a there's a few other ones man uh Love, light, and flight—whatever rocket. Ah, I can't think of it. But anyway, yeah, yeah, all this—you know—there's a lot of them on that album. Yeah, that are really good. And then uh, the Hotter Than July album, jamming. You know, oh, I remember dancing to that record. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. aside from Stevie, was there always records on growing up? Like, was you know, do parents have music on at home?
3: Yeah, well, you know, before I could walk. Uh, Uh, the first thing I learned how to do was work the uh, radio for my dad. (laughs) You know, he would have me work the radio, man. He would, he, you know, and uh, I remember one time they, you know, they used to party a lot when they were younger. And so uh, they went out to a party thinking I was asleep in my cradle or whatever. And somehow I climbed out and realized they weren't anywhere to be seen freaked out. And they said, when they came home, I was sitting in the middle of the uh, living room with albums i didn't know how to put albums on but I, I just used to like to play with albums but i had the radio on <laughs> and i was just really comfortable and laughing and you know self-amused and whatnot they they you know and yeah so y- there was always music around for sure that's crazy that. man yeah man yeah
2: that's music in it, the bones <laughs> oh
3: yeah, my dad used. To, my dad was a part of a little, uh, like Temptations like group out in Port Arthur, Texas. They opened for like Ike and turn Ike and Tina, you know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
2: Okay. Definitely- so for track three, uh, I'm I'm going to ask you to run the song uh, that reminds you of your time at school.
3: Oh man, I mean, Ghetto Boys. If you want me to be honest, I mean, um. My mind's playing tricks on me, actually. Ghetto Boys, because I'm from Houston. Yeah. And in Houston, you don't expect, uh, at that time, you didn't expect a lot of uh, people that were going to make it out of Houston. And
2: Were they out of Houston then?
3: Yeah. yeah. They, ghetto Boys are, are Houston-based. I mean, like, Bushwick Bill is like out of Brooklyn, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But, like, they're, they're a Houston, you know, nurtured group is what i want to say and uh, a lot of them are from houston you know but like yeah i mean man i just remember when that song came out just the impact that it, it, it had on everybody you know i mean that i mean and i, I, I mean i grew up in the suburbs pretty yeah. much you know i was in the inner city for some time when i was little but then i you know most of my childhood was in the suburbs and being out there man For something to hit man it's got to really hit that area you know it's got to be really big and like all my cousins were playing it and just you know i go to the skating rink that was the thing back then and man we would listen to that stuff man and then i I remember when you heard everybody just rapping the verses and you didn't know them yeah you know embarrassing moment man you know (laughs) like so yeah for me it was that and then from then on, I realized that I had a real passion for music, and that also started my little bout with my peers because I was starting to get off into jazz because the instrument I played.
2: So this was what 1990 around then.
3: Yeah, it was around then. You know, mm. I started getting yeah I started getting off into like a lot of different musics. I, I picked up the trumpet a couple of years later, but I was really starting to get off in instrumental music, and um, I just remember the kids like kind of almost ostracizing me because. Uh, you know, I was starting to listen to jazz and things of that nature. And then at the same time, I had this love for hip-hop. And so it just became this kind of bout within myself. And I remember that. So what kicked that off to me was definitely like ghetto boys. You know, my mind's playing tricks on me. I mean, yeah. it's a bad, bad, badass rhyme. Yeah.
2: Uh, um, how did you find your time at school? Uh,
3: it, was, it was interesting. Um, I wasn't popular. Um. I was uh you know I was in band and I was also in football. So that was kind of weird. Uh you know I was it was it was cool. I mean, you know uh I had one best friend, Brandon Carter. Shout out to Brandon. What up, bro? <laughs> you
0: know
3: what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it was cool, man. I was I was pretty shy for the most part. Come came off a bit socially awkward, so I didn't have a girlfriend until I uh went to New York. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say that's embarrassing
2: <laughs> he sat there now he sat there yeah yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no nah, yeah I had kissed my. I had kissed I mean my problem was all screwed up like I had kissed a girl like my senior year that was my first time ever kissing a like I just remember being so damn near. like I was like <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy man yeah I was a late bloomer I guess yeah <laughs> so yeah man
2: So at that point, like, before, you know, leading up to picking up a trumpet, like, what what sort of music, you know, what other sort of instruments was you kind of messing with?
3: Well, um, when I was a kid, the first, my parents put me in piano lessons. Right. And then um, after a while, I got bored of the piano for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, But then I started getting off into um, the trumpet later on. The cornet is what I started with. And then... I moved on from there to the trumpet, um, and that's that's pretty much what I stuck with was just keyboards and trumpet. And then I had, by the time I learned the trumpet, I had forgot everything about the piano. So it's, um, you know, it's kind of funny because I learned my theory away from the piano. Yeah, you're supposed to learn theory with the piano. Yeah, I learned, I learned it away from the piano because I had really, really good ears for at a young age. You know, like even my sight reading was off because I could memorize everything, Hmm. you know? So you play it once, I could, you know, and that kind of held me back in classical because I would win competitions, but then when it came to sight reading, like some of the pieces, you have to learn certain things, you know, really fast. And I had, man, talk about ear training, (laughs) you know?
2: Well, with that ear training, like, you know, playing piano at a young age and, 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 you know, becoming fascinated by music and having an ear for it, did... Mm when when you'd hear records like would you deconstruct them in your head and work out how they were put together would you sort of separate you know music and start to you know break it down
3: you really had to uh you had to i mean i think classical helped me with that big time uh because there were so many things going on you know um paul hendemith the 20th century composer we had to play some of his repertoire one time in high school and uh Man, when I heard how uh, our band director brought to our attention how he stacked two fugues on top of each other, yeah, so so he started one fugue right, and then and this this whole thing then did another fugue, which was this whole other thing, but you didn't know harmonically they stacked and rhythmically coincided with each other, yeah, and it was just I mean it's sick, it's sick, and then when you start to to your ears start to open up to that, man, then that's when you start hearing all the different parts and everything and yeah. You know, and it's just like yeah. And then also working with like when I went to HSPVA, my uh, friend Mark Kelly, who now bass play, he's the bass player for the Roots now. Nice. But like he, uh, man, I remember watching him figure out a song he wanted f- to do for his recital, and all he did was go to the piano and play the bass lines. And so that's how you start to learn about bass movement and you know chordal harmony and you know root, you know what's going on in the root, you know. And uh, yeah, I, I remember all of that kind of like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some bad cats that came out of my school, like Chris Dave. You know, uh, yeah, a lot of – Beyonce was uh, went to PVA for a minute until she got big because of that No, 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 Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, man. That was, uh, Robert Glasper uh, went to my high school. Uh, he was a year older than me. Um, a lot of bad cats. Jason Moran, Eric Harlan, all those guys. Yeah. Wow. All are from Houston. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, let's talk Houston record stores because I'm going to ask you uh, for track four. What the first song was you bought from a record store?
3: Oh man, I was I was young, so that would have been MC Hammer. Can't touch this. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, man. I I mean, I had the whole baggy pants and everything. Oh,
2: that was man. my next question. That was man, my yeah. next question. <laughs> You sliding around the front room, yeah, with the record uh, cleaner in front of the uh, the girls in the neighborhood.
3: Oh yeah, man! I used to be in the living room, man, because you know the thing was to go to the skating rink on Friday with your stuff on, you know. And man, I'd be in the living room trying to do that side to side thing you did, you know, like that. You know, and I I could never do it right. uh And then I used to have uh, these weird because I was from Texas, man. I thought it was slick. I used to have like these Metskin um, kind of like. Uh, steel-toed shoes on, you know, leather shoes. Because Geraldo was big back then, that guy that did Rico Suave. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, man. So I used to have that on with MC Hammer pants. I used to reek of my dad's uh, polo cologne. I remember that, man. I used to have – man, that cologne was loud. You know, but my whole
2: (laughs) – I've never heard anybody refer to cologne as loud. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, man.
3: (laughs) It was real. You it's know?
2: amazing <laughs> when you look back on it. And 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 at the time you think you looked so cool. And you look back now and you think, man, what was I wearing? It's like what was
3: I wearing for sure. Especially back then, man. Woo. Man, <laughs> man. Rough fashion, man. I remember when I went to Australia, I saw them trying to bring the MC Hammer pants back a couple of years ago. I was just like, it's not gonna work.
2: Gonna, leave leave work, that man. in 1989. It's fine left there. That left, don't, need yeah, the, don't need to come back.
3: <laughs> don't need to come back. Don't need to come back. I understand your your 20 year plight. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not going to work for this. It's it, <laughs> you know? it
2: strange, man. It's like how how things do go go full circle. And, and you know you, you know you're getting old when mm-hmm. you catch it second time round. It's like you know there's so much fashion I see in the UK now, and it's like. You know, it was it was like it, so much of it is very similar to you mentioned Tribe earlier, that kind of Daisy Age thing. And it's like, you know, I can see people wearing like, you know, retro like De La Soul T-shirts and stuff like that. And I just think, oh, man, like, am I that old that it's gone full circle now? Like all the oh, stuff yeah. that I grew up wearing, they're wearing now. It's like, God, yeah. I'm getting old, man.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and don't feel too bad. It's a 15 to 20 year gap where where everything comes back every yeah. 15 20 years the music kind of goes that's it's kind of what i learned about pan am you know like i was uh, my uh monarch, you know my alias is pan amsterdam mm-hmm. my rap alias and i was just like noticing like everybody doing these 90 90s beats you know what i'm saying and i was just like well it's about time you know it's, it's about a 20 year yeah okay yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean that's more third like 30 now but yeah, yeah it's
2: Yeah, it is, isn't it? Don't say that, man. (laughs) I feel you. Oh, dear. I mean, if we talk record stores, like even sort of, you know, as as you got older, how how important were they for you?
3: Very important. Very important. Uh, uh, I saw the whole vinyl thing turn into CDs. And even then, that was really important because, you know, they used to come in boxes, so the artwork was still a big deal, hmm. you know. And uh, nowadays, I feel bad because man, you can basically take uh, whatever's um, Creative Commons and and just stick it as a as a cover and just digitally release. You know, there used to be a time where you really had to you know put in work for art artwork on on uh, covers. And,
2: you th- yeah. you think you think when when you was a kid and you know your folks come home and you were sitting there surrounded by them album sleeves that you was looking at. Can you imagine, like the work that would have gone into every single one of them? They all would have looked so iconic, and you know the album artwork is. I, I try not to kind of get bogged down in, you know, the the the. I mean, thankfully there is a resurgence in vinyl, and 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 I do think there's pros and cons to the digital and and the MP3 and and, and streaming services. You know, I, I try and not be elitist and, you know, be a diehard vinyl fan because, you, you know, you've you got to move with the times and that. But the one thing is the artwork, the album artwork. And even on CDs, it's not the same. But when you get that vinyl album and the artwork, that's when you saw it as a real nice piece of art, I thought. Hey,
3: I thought so too. It got me through puberty when I was a kid, you know? <laughs> Some of those some of those covers, man, oh my goodness. Like the 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 one, the Ohio players honey, where she's got the she you know. We, hey, check out the Ohio players honey. Okay, <laughs> Stop talking to the audience, not you. <laughs> like, you know, like, check that out. You know what I'm saying? I know you know.
2: <laughs> Honestly, like the the, the one that the that, 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 that just all of my, my friends like I the album blew our minds. But can you remember the artwork to ice T's Power?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, Oh my god! And like, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that was his wife at the time. And uh, oh my god, that record <laughs> sleeve! Like, yeah. half the time we didn't even listen to the record. We were like, just look at this, will ya? <laughs> What's it sound yeah. like? No idea. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, man.
3: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Good okay. One. Oh, yeah.
2: All right, for track five, I'm going to ask you the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Hmm.
3: Okay, well, being a suburban kid, you feel a bit insecure about your blackness. <laughs> Even though I came from the most soulful family. I don't know. I, I, I realize that now. I'm like, I come back home, I'm like, oh, I'm black. <laughs> you yeah. Know, like, but, uh, yeah, but like, uh, I would say I used to go across town to the clubs in the inner city. And I remember seeing Juvenile, so it would be Juvenile, ha. Huh? You yeah. know that? You know, uh, you a paper chaser. You got your block on fire, remain the G until the moment you expire. You know what it is to make nothing out of something. You know that one? Yeah, of you course. Yeah, yeah. Cash Money, man. Like Juvenile. I'm a, Juvenile came to the club one time, and I remember nobody because Houston is very, very after the fact type people. At least they were back then when I was growing up. And he was trying, he went to the club, he was the uh, cash money was getting the stuff together. And I remember everybody coming out to the club and basically acting like they don't even, you know, like, why are we here kind of vibe. Everybody's just standing really? around, yeah, yeah. And then Juve and Juve, you know, he was getting frustrated and started come, come on, Houston, you know, come on, Houston, you know, because he's out of Louisiana and he got that heavy Louisiana, come on, Houston, you know, like, <laughs> that accent. And man, I remember uh, just everybody standing around, you know, and then all of a sudden, like months, maybe about three to six months later, this guy was the hottest thing since sliced bread out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I just remember like that whole, that whole experience. It taught me a lot about audiences, it taught me that not everybody's going to be able to jump on, jump in on what you're doing right off. They need validation from others. There's a reason why there's a uh, certain, certain institutes and in, institutes in place mm-hmm. you know like you know there's a reason for that and um it just taught me a lot man taught me a lot and, and and i and i remember just in high school just like just that whole dirty south thing and watching it blow up i mean my cousins before me were in the master p right you know? and then and, and then you just saw how this dirty south thing took over the north like i mean because you know we were we were supposed we were trained that we were supposed to check out wu-tang but we couldn't really relate to wu-tang in the south you know what i'm saying so you just started seeing this whole element come up man that kind of was y'all's vibe that was definitely the vibe and you know and um my cut you know like i said my cousins and everybody were checking checking all that stuff out and that's yeah juvenile man (laughs) so so you,
2: you touched on something about um playing sort of um shows and working working the audience and that and like do you think that you know that works from from playing sort of small club shows right up to I mean uh, 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 while sort of looking sort of a bit more into your back catalogue? Am I right in saying that you played with Lauren Hill? Yes, I did. And yeah, uh, I mean they must have been big shows, right? Yeah, those were big stadium shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. like, I mean, how was that?
3: Oh, it's crazy, man! I mean, uh, it was a crazy experience. I mean, the first time I played with her was because of the tsunami yeah. out in uh, Malaysia. So it was back in like maybe 2006, I want to say, something like that. And I remember, man, <laughs> I remember meeting all of like Hollywood of Asia, like Jackie Chan.
2: No way. Know. Yeah, I met Jackie Chan, man. Well, uh, job done. You can retire. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh man!
3: I got so mad at the drummer too, because uh, the drummer for Lauren Hill at the time, you, you know, God bless him, he was cool, but he was ignorant on the kung fu man. He comes up to Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan's walking past us, like in the hallway, you know, in the back, you know, stage area, and he goes, "Jackie Chan, whoa!" I'm like, "No, bro, that's Bruce Lee." <laughs> like, like, you, know, like, you know, and Jackie looked back at him like, "Yo, man," you know. Like, I was like, man, you got that one wrong, man. <laughs> you know, like, but I remember Jackie Jam being there. The Last Samurai had just came out, so this guy named Kane Watanabe was out there. Yeah, yeah he, was really, he was really cool because I didn't know he didn't speak English because he acted so well, yeah. you know, uh, speaking English. You know, I didn't know that, you know, he was just sitting there looking at me the whole time and somebody had to kind of jerk me like, he doesn't really speak English, man. You know, I was like, get out of here. <laughs> he acted the hell out of that role in Last Samurai, man. Oh, <laughs> you know? amazing. And then Carmen Electra was there.
2: <laughs> I mean, this is a good time, right? <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, what was funny is that she's she's about as talkative as I am right now. So if somebody's talking to you, I'm gonna talk a little quieter, but you know, when somebody's talking to you at the you know, where I'm where I was talking constantly in your air and you just got through performing and they just keep talking, I just kind of walked off, right? So she started walking with me, looking at me like do you know who I am? I'm Carmen Electra. Like, you know like, I, just, I just couldn't take her I couldn't take her uh, you know, the frequency she was talking on. Got out of there, man. <laughs> you know, like Yeah, I couldn't take it. You know, but uh I mean it was it was pretty cool. So that was one time. The other time was in Senegal with Lauren Hill and that was the uh the football. They had the they had the whole Golden Cup or whatever they call it, uh, out there and uh for soccer. You know, yeah, i am a I'm a I'm an American, so forgive me. <laughs> We're good, mate. We're good. Yeah. We call it soccer. I know y'all call it football. I mean, And I don't know. And I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm sad for not knowing the World Cup is what it's called. That's right? the one. Okay, man. Sorry, man. Okay. So, they, I mean, yeah. I prefer
2: the Gold Cup, man. I'm loving that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm thinking of Geminist Club called the World Cup. In Houston. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> bringing me back to my childhood too much. But anyway, yeah. So, like, no, but, uh, Yeah, man. uh, uh, Lauren Hill had me out there in Senegal, and that was deep, being in Africa. That was my first time in Africa, you know? And I just remember just all of the the things that I learned about colonialism, uh, you know, the the native tongue, warloof, just a whole bunch of things culturally. I I mean, I was looking at cats. They looked like my uncle. Like, they had the same kind of soulful stare. I'm like, man, that's my Uncle Melvin over there, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was it was deep, man. And that, but they had a whole. I remember um, who uh, Yasu Endor was was performing. Uh, a lot of cool people were performing on that bill, and I just remember Lauren Hill bringing it, man. She brought a lot of energy, a yeah. lot of energy, and it's something to be in those stadiums because, I mean, all, especially when I was in in Senegal, that 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 was really deep. I mean, just all that energy going, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, and just whew, it's something, man. You know, it's big. Nice. <laughs> yeah.
2: So that brass on do Up that thing, you're blasting mm-hmm. that out, yeah? Yeah, yeah. We, oh, we actually- man, that must have sounded yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, man. That was a lot of fun back then playing those. Like, I played with Bilal. I played with uh, – there's some stuff. I, I'm on a track with Kanye, which was interesting. But I was, yeah, I was I was your number one. Uh, me and a few other cats, Keon Harold. Shout out to Keon. There were a few cats that were like number one calls, number two calls, or the top five calls is what I want to say for like hip hop and stuff. And so we're on a lot of records, you know. Yeah, and we we would pick up tours and stuff. But we were jazz musicians. I mean, yeah. we're going to, going to the new school. We kind of felt. I know. I at least I did had had a bit of a guilty conscience. Oh conscience. really?
2: What like you was I, like, like you was cheating on jazz? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Really
3: yeah i had that what is it it the
2: kind of like the jazz purists and the heads and that are they like man what are they doing
3: yeah yeah oh yeah man because billy harper was one of my teachers and he's a jazz legend you know yeah and man he was telling us how you know once you get caught up in that circuit you come back and uh you can't play jazz as good as you used to and uh then you say to yourself well i'm just going to stay in that circuit and he was giving us all these dreadful stories about if you're going to cross genres. But then when I started to learn history a bit more, I mean, Coltrane came out of blues and R&B bands, too. Mm. You know, he worked those bands. So did Clifford Brown, you know. so And then Lee Morgan, you can hear that all up in his sound. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I stopped worrying about that kind of thing and started looking at music more as a as a, you know, one thing than just this is jazz. Don't stray away from it. Yeah. You know, kind of vibes. I mean, we're born into way more music than the generation before us, so and we have to make sense of that for ourselves. 100%. 100%. Well, you know. Yeah.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.
1: Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Yeah. Going to take you home now. Uh, Favorite Mm -hmm. song from an artist from your home county? Lightning
3: Hopkins. Lightning Hopkins. Yeah, Mr. Tillmore's farm uh mr Tillmore's farm is what he calls it i call it tillmore <laughs> i don't know why i do that but anyway yeah, it's mr tim, tim farm it's it's kind of a parody about life for a black man actually you know uh he talks about being on a farm and having to work on this man's farm and uh he talks about uh what do you say uh you know mr tillmore the man he don't never stand and grin he just says keep out of the graveyard i'll save you from the pen yeah. you know yeah. soon any morning he'll give you a scrambled egg i tell you about so soon you'll be able to catch a mule by his hind leg you know like like i mean man catch a mule by his hind leg like you know what he's talking it's deep yeah <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah you know that's that's how my great uncles and my grandparents would talk you know because i come out of buffalo and i actually got to meet uh I mean like a Lightning Hawkins going to Centerville and Buffalo was nothing to them. Like, uh, what he would do is on Sundays after service, he'd walk up to the church and take the plug and plug his amp in and start doing blues right on the front of the church. Like, I mean, all types of blasphemy uh, back in those days.
2: Yeah, of course. But people would
3: still stick around because he was (laughs) so good, you know.
2: (laughs) I'm so offended by this, but it's really good. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's what... And
3: that's what they would do. Yeah. My grandma was one of them, you know, and that's just Texas blues and the, you know, lightning Hopkins, man's lip, uh lips comb out of Navasota, Texas. Yeah. Bad cats out of Texas. And, and also I like his form. He doesn't do a, a straight up 12 bar form in his blues, you know, uh, for all you musicians, musicians out there. I mean, he doesn't do like he, his form fluctuates. And I think that's how the blues always was. I think, uh, Later on, they started to appropriate it into a twelve-bar, you know, you know, one-one-four-five kind of situation. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, man, that song right there is—it is, speaks to me deep. I'm not going to speak too much on it. I Want people to hear it. You okay. Know? <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, it's going to get added to the playlist. Um, yeah. For your last song, this is when you um, you get to play DJ and uh, and turn someone onto something new. And uh, and for the last track. Lauren, I'm going to ask you a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear.
3: Okay, I'm corny, man. <laughs> I can be straight cheese, you know. I like cheese. Cheese has its place. Of
2: course it does. And it don't get any cheesier <laughs> than this. Yeah. Oh,
3: no. This is cheese, Jack. <laughs> this, is, this is extra cheddar, you know. <laughs> Pepper Jack, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's for me. It's gonna be uh, Christopher Cross uh, Arthur's theme. It's a great record, though, man. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I, I, you know, I look, I look, I look at people, and I'm like, why do y'all have a problem with beauty? I mean, that's that's some beautiful man. He was a good songwriter. Yeah, you know, um, ride like I mean, the wind. I, that's a tune. Oh yeah, yeah, sailing,
2: sailing, huge tune, huge with, tune. Do you do you call it yacht rock in the states?
3: Uh, no, I never heard that term. What is, help me.
2: It's called Yacht Rock, uh, as in the boat, the yacht. Uh, and yeah, kind of Yacht Rock, he's, um, it's that kind of genre, like crisscross is in it. Um, uh, Hall and Oates, um, Michael McDonald's, the king of Yacht Rock. Okay,
3: good.
2: Like, it's that kind of early eighties, kind of, I don't know, it's it's just called Yacht Rock in the UK, it's it's weird, it's quite a strange man, it, little, it's a recent kind of terminology as well, but that all gets, it's all of that kind of genre of music
3: I can make sense of that, that, that makes sense, I, I'm a, I'm going to keep that Yacht Rock yeah, thank, thank you <laughs> you're very welcome, yeah man well, well that's why, I like Yacht Rock then, I mean like that <laughs> that place, that stuff has a place man, I mean it's pre, it's pre Kenny G man it's, you know, it's a uh, You know, like with Kenny G. I mean, people get mad at Kenny G, but I swear that song "Songbird." You can see the uh, Wall Street dude going to the West Coast on business with a glass table, an escort in the background, and 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 a little thing of coke that he's got on the glass table. You can see, you can hear all of that in "Songbird." You know, (laughs) you know, and it's just that whole that's that's the vibe that I get from. uh, from all from that time period is this just kind of crystallization of things you know yeah, definitely and uh and that kind of jade i mean out of that you can get it's 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 kind of interesting how it kind of affected nowadays because the younger generation they come up with lo-fi uh they come up with vaporwave uh they come up with these th- these kind of uh internet genres is what I want to call them. Cause these genres, were, these genres were made over the internet, mm. you know, vaporwave, especially, but it has to do with all that nostalgia that they can hear in, in like what you call yacht rock or that kind of smooth jazz eighties mm. type, all of that stuff. And, and they, what they do is extract the, just the, the, the doom of it all of that nostalgia. And yeah. they slow it down, like on some DJ screw type vibe, you know, and it's, it's dope. It's dope. I mean, you can, you know, they're you know. I I get it. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. Mm-hmm. So okay. As I mean, all of the songs that you spoke uh, about today, uh, your choices, and some of the other ones that we've 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 spoke about uh, will be on a, a big Spotify uh, playlist to accompany this podcast when it comes out, oh, so excellent. people can go and get stuck in uh, to to all of these tracks. Um. Lauren, as we find ourselves, um. Well, and you find yourselves, uh. In 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 the states, coming out of, you know, a tricky year, um. Yeah. What are you looking forward to personally and what have you got coming up professionally?
3: Well, I always look forward to just another melody, man. I mean, I never know what the future is going to hold. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the way the world is and I'm looking at how people are kind of tightening their grip on, on their beliefs. And some people are starting to let go and there's going to be a bit of a spiritual battle going on, uh, more so than uh, in recent times, you know so, um, I think that the most important thing is to look more inward and to and to try to find a you know your 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 truest frequency and share that with the public so that's what I look forward to like you know next year is just making more music uh i as far as professionally what do i what do i what I have going on well I mean that's it's weird because you know I, I even had I just struck a good agent and a good agency and it's so pathetic that you know we can't get anything going because of, you know what's what's happening so I mean like um, I have no idea but I know this much I will be making music and it will be getting put out <laughs> you know what I'm saying so that that much I definitely know is going on but on a more you know less romantic uh type level i mean technically i'm supposed to maybe be doing end of the road festival next year Mm -hmm. um and stuff like that and we and there should be a tour behind that but that's if the world kind of you know if everything kind of lets up but if it doesn't yeah man i'm just going to be in the crib man or or in somebody's closet or in the studio making music you know what i'm saying
2: (laughs) wonderful wonderful Ron it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you. Thanks so much you for your time, brother. Yeah. Thank you, man. You stay safe, man. Take care.
3: You too, bro. Okay. Um,
2: there you go. leron Thomas, what an absolute top guy. Um could have chatted to him for hours. Um yeah, I'd, I, he's definitely a guest that I, I'd, I'd love to have back on and talk about. Sometimes when I get guests back on for a second time and we talk about um, gigs that they've played or been to, then uh, I, I'd love to have Laurent back and talk about some of the, the shows that he's played. Just touching on, you know, playing at the World Cup and, and stuff like that, you know. Just, you know, and some of the artists that he's played with, I'm, I'm sure, has uh, got an abundance of, of stories of these shows. You know, You know, hanging out with Jackie Chan, I mean, come on amazing um thanks ever so much for listening um thanks to laron and thanks again to mike from lewis recordings for putting this together and uh, and i'll be back next time in the meantime um there's a patreon there's a bundle of other episodes and and merch and everything else you need to know about www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com stay safe lovely people see you soon bye bye i've got an announcement save our souls clothing Www. SOSClothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music and they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fair Wear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track podcast. off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces network. Give me
0: Stew Whippin.